power on. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. What you have got is the best in professional podcasting between your ears right now for a little, what I am calling, maybe it's not so little, but what I am calling a Sovereign Tech Supplemental episode. Uh, Don't you worry, we'll get to episode 399B, uh, as was previewed in episode 399A, but the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, Dr. Brian Sovereign, has to be here for this because... We've had a hell of a week and we're talking about very early goings in 2021. This, frankly, this episode I am going to do, this is a special that is all about what messaging apps to use, what, uh, what browsers to use, and perhaps a little bit, a little bit more beyond that in reference to being censorship resistant. And if you're wondering why, well, you're going to find out why, but you know, here's the thing. This is actually going to be just about the easiest episode I've ever done in my decade broadcasting career. Why? Because I could tell you all of this by heart. I don't need show notes. Hell, I never need show notes. I know I practically never even use any other than to have them listed off. And I can tell you what links exist uh, within them when you get the podcast. But it's been an amazing week since, uh, well, January 6th, when the, depending upon what people want to call it, riots, insurrection, protesting, uh, invading force. I, I mean, the, like the, the terms, depending upon what news source you happen to be reading and what, what is your, uh, <laughs> what bubble of reality you seem to live within, even though there is an objective reality, but I don't know how many people live within that. Regardless, a lot of people now are freaking out and it's been, I mean, it's been amazing. Um, I have seen just in my contact list on telegram, um, because often enough, Telegram will announce when someone who uh, who you have in your contact list, you know, you have their phone number for or whatever, uh, it will announce that they've joined. Signal will do the same thing. Um, many different platforms will do that. And the amount of people that have suddenly popped up on Signal and Telegram in my contact list uh, is is frankly mind boggling. And I know why. And it's not just due to what happened on January 6th. Part of this also has to do with an announcement uh, by Facebook about WhatsApp data. Now, it's important to note, we're going to talk a little bit more here. I'm going to try and make this. This doesn't have to be a terribly long episode. Why? Because I am also going to tell you all the episodes that you can go back to. Okay, just within 2020, just within the past year. We don't have to do the whole near decade history of sovereign tech, even though everything I'm going to talk about is stuff that I've been saying for years, but I'm going to give you the episodes that you can go back to that. If you somehow need the evidence, 
Okay. If you somehow need the case made for you just a little stronger of why you need to get away from mainstream platforms, I've got your hookup here and we'll get into that. But before then, again, it's been amazing how many people have been signing up for these things when, when I'm, uh, you know, I see it and I go, oh. Man, I, look, I, I'm just going to play as I always do. I'm just going to play straight with you how I feel when I see this. Now, am I glad that people are suddenly saying, Ooh, I don't want to be on this platform anymore anymore. I don't want to use WhatsApp anymore. I don't want to be on Facebook anymore. I don't want to be on Twitter anymore. Uh, parlor shutting down, blah, blah, you know, whatever, whatever. We'll talk more about that, about the parlor thing. Just wait. Okay. Because I mean, it's not like they're saying that they're actually shutting down. Now they're saying, Oh, we'll be down for a week or whatever. Just hold on, but buckle up. I'm going to be frank with you. I, I mean, it's just when I, what I, the, the reaction I'm seeing to these varying stories, and we have to talk about also what Mozilla is calling for. Also not a surprise for sovereign tech listeners, or at least it shouldn't be. But it feels like the rest of the world or should I say Americans or whatever, whoever the fuck, I don't know how, how, however they end up in my feeds and whatever. I just look at it and I go, Oh, now, now everybody wants to use signal because Elon Musk fucking said it. It's like, wow, <laughs> how 2013 of you, <laughs> you know, like, like, well, I just want to say to all these people that are suddenly signing up and like, Oh, welcome to 2013. Except it's 2021. What took you almost a decade to get here? When the reason other people were already on these platforms is because we knew times like right now would come. Now, I'm not here to shame anybody. Again, ultimately, I'm glad that people are finally getting on board with this. But even then, I think they're doing it wrong. And they're really just, I mean, it's two steps forward, one step back with a lot of the actions that they're taking. And I feel, and I've gotten plenty of these emails as well, because look, part of the reason I'm doing this episode, because I, I had a whole other episode planned, a completely different situation planned, but I have had such high demand uh, in emails, tweets, in the Telegram group, elsewhere, you know, basically, or, or on Telegram, um, but basically, you know, people saying, hey, could, you know, what, what do you recommend? What do I do? What blah, 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 blah. And, 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 you know, great. Okay. I'm glad you came here. But at the same time, I've, I've been telling you what to do for, <laughs> for almost 10 years. That's why I say this is going to be the easiest episode I've ever done, because this is all stuff that I've been spewing forever. Just now, finally, you feel like, oh, actually, shit, it is the nightmare that Brian Sovereign has been saying for so long, and now I must take action. Again, ultimately, I'm glad. But I have also gotten the emails from people saying exactly what I just said, where I don't even have to say, I could just read it from people where they'll, where they'll say, it's like, why are people reacting on Twitter like this? You've been telling them forever what was going to come and that it would come soon, that it was just, it wasn't if it was when, and that this is what you do when that time comes. Now it's important. I mean, here, you know, some empathy for people. Because the, you know, this is a constantly shifting, uh, 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 shall we say a shifting goalpost? Um, because, you know, an app one day is fine. The next day it's not right. There could be some crazy exploit that, that didn't exist yesterday. 
uh, or, you know, that's a zero day. We didn't know about it yesterday, at least, um, you know, or a browser could suddenly do a complete 180 in its philosophy. And then suddenly the browser that I've been, you know, that I may have been re recommending for years, suddenly I can no longer stand behind and tell people to get away from that. Now, there's something to be said within that point itself, that being, in fact, this gets into very recent episodes, as in like the past three or four episodes where I have made this comment. Um, and that is, is that we really need to get to the point where we're not really making accounts and relying upon information within accounts within uh, varying communication and data storing platforms that we use. And this should go so far is that if you are a Windows user, and I understand why some people have to be whatever, okay, I, I get it. I mean, step one in this whole thing should be use Linux, okay? Even though if you listen to the most recent episode uh, of Sovereign Tech, that being 399A, we talk about where the Linux Foundation is even engaging in some potentially uh, privacy encroaching shit. And that ultimately affects your security, right? Anytime privacy is encroached, they're, they're kissing cousins, privacy and security. But getting off of windows, getting off of Apple, you know, I mean, that that's, that's ultimately step one here. Okay. But regardless, we're going to break this down a lot further. I'm going to explain to you what you can use, perhaps what you even shouldn't use within that. Um, but this list, this is your update, baby for 2021. And feel free to share this around. But before we get into the solutions, why don't we talk about the problem? Okay. So I've had my, I told you so moment, and I thank you for listening to that. <laughs> but now let's get into what exactly is going on. And then we will get into uh, the solutions for this. And I assure you, we have solutions. In fact, solutions that are about as hardy as it gets without going to carrier pigeons. You understand? So <laughs> uh, why don't we start off? Um, I guess we'll start off with what happened with WhatsApp. Okay. Uh, this is the one that has definitely gotten a lot of people switching over to signal or even to telegram, uh, you know, and, and so on. Um, so let's talk about that. Then we're going to talk about social media. Then we need to talk about browsers. Okay. And then we're going to get into solutions for all of the above. So opening it up, uh, actually I'm going to read from a, the newsbytesapp.com, And I, I thought they had a fantastic compilation of what was going on. And this story is from January 10th, 2021. Uh, so that is, boy, is that today? That's today. <laughs> Perfect. So let's read it. And because there is an update, this is something I wanted to say earlier. Uh, that I didn't get in before we read this is that, you know, I, I got all those emails that I was talking about either people congratulating me, you know, on being right or on, you know, asking for help or asking, Hey, you know, what's, what's, what's the score here? What do we do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, wh whatever they, they ended up happening to be. I started getting those on the sixth. Okay. And I did not do an episode right away. Why? The reason being is that I wanted to wait to find out more information. I saw, I mean, I'm in, I'm in varying groups, uh, and of course, in, on social media, you know, I mean, my feed 
leans a certain, you know, leans certain directions. I mean, I, I try to keep things pretty broad. I have a very broad audience. I have libertarians. I have conservatives. I, I have communists. I have socialists. I have ANCOMs, you know, whatever. I have all kinds of people that, that listen to the show. Probably because regardless of your ideological persuasion, the solutions that Sovereign Tech presents apply to all. Because I come from a singular position. That being individualism. I don't give a shit what you think, what you believe, whatever. All I care about is the individual, as Max Sterner would say, being the measure of all things. And that's how I measure everything. Every technology, every idea, every story that comes past the Sovereign Tech Desk is measured by that, not the herd. So, um, I, that being said, why didn't I get into it? It's because I wanted to let the, some of these stories settle because everybody, you know, on all these other, I was like, Oh, they, they shut down parlor. Oh no, wait, no, they didn't. Oh yes, they did. No, no. Parlor's just having a, a, a server problem and not that they shut it down or, um, you know, what WhatsApp is, is saying, okay, we're going to, we're actually going to collect, um, you know, Facebook's going to collect your data now on WhatsApp, even though we said we wouldn't. And now Facebook is coming out as of today, January 10th. Facebook is coming out and saying, actually, no, let me read the headline here from news, news bites app. WhatsApp claims terms of service change only affects business accounts. Here's the rub. <laughs> okay. Before we even read the story, if this were true, that it only affects business accounts, why? And I know because I have had to use WhatsApp. I no longer need to because of the present situation, that the present climate that we live in. I'll explain more. But I logged on to WhatsApp because there is one person, one client just that just loved using WhatsApp. That person is now using Telegram, not without my prompt, by the way. He, he just went off and, you know, and, and basically he said, uh, yeah, sorry, I'll see you on Telegram. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> Don't worry. I've been there since the damn app came out. <laughs> Please join me. So, but, uh, regardless when, when I was, you know, when he was letting me know, um, I had, uh, the, the terms of service had come up on my phone and I had to say, okay, I had to accept it. Now, if this just was for business accounts now, I mean, his account wasn't a business account. My account isn't a business account. Why did I get that? right? If it's only for business accounts, that doesn't exactly make sense, but let's read the story here and let's talk about it. Uh, so again, WhatsApp claims terms of service change only affects business account. Let's read it. Uh, WhatsApp recently pushed a notification directing users to accept the revised terms of service by February 8th. Elon Musk took this opportunity. Oh, fucking a, this is the other part that bugs me too. You know, I can tell you, uh, or, oh, and it's not just me. There's plenty of fuck Steve Gibson on security. Now a podcast far larger than my audience. Not that sovereign tech's too shabby, right? I mean, we do about 20,000 uniques per week. Not bad. All right. But I mean, I know Steve Gibson has a larger audience. There's plenty of people that have much larger audiences, but Oh, people don't go ape shit and start using signal until Elon Musk tells you to, why the fuck are you listening to that guy? That guy's as in the system as it goes, as it comes. say nothing of the amount of government money he takes. Not granted signal takes government money. Well, well, well let's, maybe we shouldn't talk about that. No. 
I'm not one of those follow the money guys, but I know a lot of people are. Well, if you are, maybe you should wonder about Signal. But there's other issues with Signal that we'll talk about when we get into solutions, um, longstanding issues. So, uh, yeah, so Elon Musk seems to have basically gotten to 2013 as well by telling people to use Signal. I mean, hey, it's better than using WhatsApp, no doubt. I'm not going to argue that, but we must go farther. Uh, going on. So Elon Musk took this opportunity to recommend Signal over uh, over WhatsApp following the backlash over how WhatsApp handles user data. The messaging platform now claims that the changes only concern business account users. This begs the question, why was the notification, which is what I just said, why was the notification pushed to private individuals at all then? Uh Billionaire Musk's tweet promoting privacy-first messaging service signal gained traction as people began grasping the implications of the changes in WhatsApp's terms of service. It is evident that Musk's tweet was a jab at the WhatsApp issue while still being a genuine suggestion. The billionaire has spared no opportunity to express his criticism of Facebook and its subsidiaries. The terms of service change was widely interpreted as an ultimatum to share WhatsApp user data with other Facebook entities. The data sharing move is now being touted as a means to improve targeted advertising across the parent company's platforms. WhatsApp has been careful with its choice of words in the documentation, but its clarification seems more like damage control than a genuine case of mis, uh, misinterpretation. The policy, effective next month, shows no evidence of giving users an option to opt out of data sharing. The Verge reports this was a one-time option seen on the platform briefly in 2016 and has since only been referenced but never explicitly stated otherwise. It is understood that some, at some level, WhatsApp is funded by Facebook's advertising activities and user data is shared. Um, but reading on in a, in a statement issued recently, WhatsApp claimed that the terms of service change is a step towards a more transparent platform. It said that businesses can choose to receive secure hosting services from their parent company, Facebook, to help manage their communications with customers on WhatsApp. It is up to the users to decide whether or not they wish to interact with businesses on WhatsApp. This move could either have been a genuine attempt to address users' privacy concerns or Facebook might as uh, might as well be exercising damage control. Meanwhile, the nonprofit profit messaging service Signal has registered an unprecedented surge in signups. Stallion breaking in. Also, Telegram has. Uh, I'm a little bothered that news organizations, and I mean everybody, you know, <laughs> to say nothing of newsbitesapp.com, um, I, I mean, just the amount of uh, uh, news outlets, major news outlets that are talking about switching to signal. Uh, there, there's there's some real contradiction here, but also they have positively refused to mention Telegram. We'll talk more about that. Let me read the last paragraph. While this PR disaster might have cost WhatsApp some users, let's not forget that the platform's user base includes a quarter of the world's population. OK, so let's be sensitive here about to the use of WhatsApp. Um, in many parts of the world where SMS sending an SMS message costs you something as compared to in, in you know, the United States where basically it costs you nothing, uh, WhatsApp really took hold long before Facebook owned it. Um, so there, you know, in other countries around the world, getting off of WhatsApp is not such an easy proposition. Maybe it got easier now, now that that terms of service situation, you know, has now that this has come to, to light. Uh, that people are finally running away from it. Telegram, I do know, Pavel Durov, the CEO, has been uh, putting out there that, you know, they, they, he's seen record growth in, in users uh, right alongside Signal, quite frankly. Um, but again, I find it odd that nobody's really bothering to go and recommend that. Regardless, 
Um, I don't know if this is going to change the situation in, I mean, look, in some countries you can't hail a fucking cab without WhatsApp. Okay. Like it's that crucial to navigating other countries. That's what, that's the point that it's gotten to. Uh, I do think let's talk about timing. I think that the timing of this going live, uh, fits right in during a, you know, a very vicious news cycle that being around what happened on January 6th, uh, you know, on Capitol Hill. Um, and I, I think they're kind of hoping that they could just sort of squeeze this in, or they could get it past the, uh, varying, you know, social media mobs and Twitter mobs and, and, you know, everybody else that just gets uh, fucking offended by everything. Um, you know, to, to where, well, we're doing this maybe to, you know, help out or it could kind of get included with Facebook's very, I mean, you have to understand Facebook, the platform as in facebook.com, uh, was engaging in some pretty draconian shit during what was happening on Capitol Hill. They were flat out banning multiple groups. Uh, if you posted about it at all, a lot of accounts were getting suspended. Uh, pictures were, you know, posts were getting deleted with pictures from Capitol Hill and so on. It was really, I mean, it, it was draconian at best. Uh, and <laughs> well, draconian at best, that's not the way of putting it, but it was draconian straight up. Uh, not a surprise. And I have said for, for some time that again, if you've been listening, you'd know, um, that I think that a lot of the political machinations that have been going on on Facebook itself, political as in electoral politics within the United States. A lot of that and Facebook's varying, like allowing of certain things to be done on Facebook. Uh, I'm not going to blame the Russians. There's plenty of people that do, you know, well, I live in 2021. Actually, I think I live in like 2121, but I live in 2021 and not, not 1981 where we blame, you know, the communists for everything. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's the Ruskies. Never, ever, ever has Sovereign Tech, you know, come out and said, oh, yeah, it was the Russians. You know, I like I always find the evidence for that to be incredibly specious. And uh, as I like to say, honest security researchers will tell you the same. But regardless, I think that Facebook has been basically planning this for some time. How do you put down political dissent on that platform? And. Facebook, as I've also said over the years, has become a beast that cannot be tamed. I don't mean the company. I mean, Facebook.com is such, it runs under so many different algorithms. We're going to talk more about those a little later when we get into Mozilla, into, you know, using Firefox. Uh, you know, there's so many algorithms at play. There's so many different, frankly, behavioral experiments going on uh, and just the complexity of it. I mean, it's like how Google has to con constantly changes its search engine rules to, and really it just ends up like fucking with SEO, right? With companies that try to optimize SEO, they keep changing it. They keep moving that goalpost. Facebook kind of does the same thing to the point that, I mean, but both Google, the search engine and Facebook, the, the social media platform have become so complex, not that they're alive, but they have taken on a life of their own that not even really Facebook, the company can control. Okay. So that's important to understand. And some might see it as a message of hope that allows you to kind of game these things. Well, it seems like Facebook's solution to trying to tame the beast is to just put it down or put it to sleep. Like they're just not taking the chance. They're just like, ah, objectionable, suspend account, delete post, close group. 
I don't expect them to be able to like, even if you're the kind of person that's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, these, these accounts have to get off of social media platforms, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's, there's no, there's no real solution for this. Okay. Uh, in fact, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll quote Bruce Schneier here. Uh, an, another fairly honest security researcher, <laughs> at least when it comes to tech itself. Uh, and I, I, the, the quote of his goes something to the effect of that there you know, no technology is going to solve these problems. And if you think so, you don't understand the technology. So anyway, you may think that you can somehow, you know, because Facebook is a, is a beast that can't be tamed. You might think that somehow you can game it. Uh, no, <laughs> cause now they're, they're just shutting things down. Uh, and regardless, it's a constantly moving target that you're going to spend more time just trying to figure out how to game than actually getting anything you know worthwhile done, um, there. So there, there's a lot that we could really say within that itself, um, within what's happening with social media. We'll get into that more when we talk about what's happening with parlor and about how really social media is by no means the place to engage in activism, perhaps never really was. And if anything, never will be again, because we are seeing, uh, you know, what level of control these companies are willing to put in. We'll, we'll talk about that more with parlor, but let me finish up with WhatsApp here. Uh, this is not new news. Um, I've never recommended using WhatsApp. Uh, there were two key points that and of many, but these are two key ones that kind of can, can lead you down, um, you know, a bit of a primrose path. One is that there was the genuine terrorist attack as in, because people, you know, like, or it was an attempted bombing. I don't think the bomb actually went off, but I, I want to say this is in Beirut back in 2014, not long after Facebook had bought WhatsApp. But it was made fairly clear that the authorities used the terrorist WhatsApp data to, you know, put, put the kibosh on their, on their bombing plans. How did that happen? Now we, we have, we don't have a lot of clarity on what WhatsApp data and how all that, whether it was just metadata, you know, what it was, how that happened, but it did happen. And it was stated that WhatsApp data was used to stop them. And this was at a point when WhatsApp now granted, it wasn't, it didn't have signal encryption at the time. Um, you know, like, like it does now where it uses the signal protocol or where it used to be called axolotl. Um, but it was still supposed to be encrypted and so on. And Facebook was not supposed to be touching that data at all anyway, but they handed it over as is. So even though that kept people from dying, Let's be clear here that that was Facebook handing over WhatsApp data, no problem, and that they were touching the data and they had access to that data, even at a time when supposedly there was still some kind of security around WhatsApp. Um, and actually, that was in the early stages of when they were sending out, uh, I believe, that's when they were sending uh, or they were putting pushing out the end-to-end -end encryption uh, using the Signal protocol. Now, the other part was, was that Moxie Marlin Spike, the creator of Signal, or, you know, the guy that started Signal, um, and, you know, kind of the, the, the main brain in many ways, I guess, behind uh, the signal protocol, when WhatsApp announced that they were implementing the signal protocol, he used very particular terms. He said something to the effect of that. It's a pretty good implementation of the protocol. He didn't say it was great. He didn't say it was perfect. He used very particular language that led me to believe. Now understand Moxie Marlin Spike is an anarchist, or at least he used to be. I don't know. I mean, you know, people can change and it doesn't seem to get talked about as much, but I, I know at least at one point he was uh, just like the CEO of telegram, Pavel Durov is also an anarchist. 
which I, of course, think is a good thing. I'm, you know, <laughs> I am basically what people would call an anarchist as well. So uh, for him to, to, to you know, kind of let that cat out of the bag and for also for the founders of, or at least one of the founders of WhatsApp to basically leave Facebook and go and fund Signal, you know, those things lead me to believe that, okay, yeah, they put the Signal protocol in, but what did Facebook do in the underlying code? And, you know, this is something to keep in mind for, for t- as far as using Telegram. People can argue right and left. And I understand where you're coming from. And there are times where you're not wrong that they don't trust the roll your own encryption, uh, that because it's not using the signal protocol, uh, that, that telegram, um, is basically using, okay. That their encryption. Yeah. That's, that's found wanting, blah, you know, people can, can kind of get into that sort of thing. Um, again, folks, we have covered these stories over and over again throughout the years. It is nothing new. You don't have to email me, but what about this with telegram? I guarantee you, I've talked about it. Okay. (laughs) Even where, you know, like secret, uh, some secret chats, uh, could have been potentially, you know, seen as a text file. This is back in 2015. So I know this is what sovereign tech's about. This is part or a major part of what it's about. This is what we do here. You understand. Okay. But it's important to bring up that on iOS and on Android, Telegram is the only messaging app that has a completely open and verifiable code base. The only one. That's it. End of story. All right. So, and when you consider that, that, that you can't, you know, get into with some other apps necessarily, you know, look at the entire, you know, on both platforms. I mean, signal, I think is entirely open because you can, you can download the APK onto Android independently uh, for signal on an Android device, but iOS different story. But Telegram is the only one that you can verify on both platforms. That's important to bring up. My point being is that there are elements of the code base that could potentially be a problem that you're not seeing for WhatsApp and that there could be some kind of weird way, whatever that happens to be. If it's like some kind of key logging system that gets set up. I mean, this is the problem with, you know, whatever. All right, let me finish the sentence you know, that, that allows Facebook to see your WhatsApp data anyway, even if they say, well, but it's encrypted by the signal protocol. That is not a good implementation of that bottom line. Okay. Now a major problem with any messaging platform on a device, whether that's tablet, um, I don't know, or like a, a what was it? The surface go <laughs> whatever, uh, or which is basically a tablet but it's a windows computer or your smartphone and whatever stripe of smartphone, iOS or Android. Okay. Uh, let's be clear here. All any authority really needs is access to your touchscreen keyboard data, which of course, you know, is, you know, effectively has to be kind of, you know, more or less stored or at least registered in the operating system. And the greatest encryption in the world doesn't matter. If there's a key logger involved, bottom line. Okay. You have to keep that in mind. Um, I, I challenge you to, and if I think of it, I will put these in the show notes as well. I have a lot of episodes, a lot of homework that you can check out. If you need, if you need to believe what I am telling you, I have got the stories for you. I have got the coverage, the points, the journalism for you. Okay. They're going to be in the show notes for this episode, but you can go back to my dark Android episodes. Um, and I explain fully, 
you know, how, you know, why you need to engage in not just using encryption, but why you also need to use pseudonymity and so on. Um, because if you are actually, you know, if you're concerned that what messages, you know, messages you're sending out your life's on the line or something like that, uh, well, here's how far you got to go. And I explain how to do so in those dark Android episodes. And a lot of the philosophy in those episodes is still entirely accurate, even if, um, some of the app recommendations might not be, but the philosophies themselves are right on. In fact, I even talk about some of that philosophy in the dark Android book, which you can find at darkandroid.info. Um, that you can purchase. And I mean, it doesn't go in, into like, I don't go to the extremes that I did in my dark Android episodes, but the book certainly explains how far you really need to go to have actual privacy and security with your communications. So WhatsApp, don't trust it. And I'm glad to see a lot of people are finally leaving it behind and myself included. Now that that final client has walked away from it, I don't have to be on there either anymore. And I am living the Facebookless life, no Facebook account, no Instagram account, no WhatsApp account, gone. Uh, so anyway, let's get into another story because we got to paint more of this picture here. And let's start talking about social media a bit since we were just talking about Facebook. Here's a story from NBC News. Let's read it. And then we're going to talk about Mozilla. And then we're going to get into all the solutions. Okay. So from NBC News, uh, Amazon suspends hosting uh, Parler on its servers over violent content. Google and Apple suspended the conservative-oriented social media platform after Trump supporters stormed the Capitol. <laughs> uh, I, the, the comments I want to make about that whole situation on the Capitol. But that's not what this episode is for. So this story is from January 9th, 2021. Very fresh. Amazon will suspend social media site Parler from its server hosting service on Sunday over violent content that has also prompted Google Play and Apple to remove the platform from its app stores. Parler, the Twitter for conservatives, quote unquote, was used by supporters of President Donald Trump to express hatred and threaten violence that culminated in Wednesday's riots at the U.S. Capitol, the tech giant said. Uh, quote, recently, we've seen a steady increase in this violent content on your website, all of which violates our terms and quote, Amazon web services, trust and safety team said in a letter to parlor obtained by NBC news. All right, let, let, all right, let me, let me read this last quote. It's clear that parlor does not have an effective process to comply with the AWS terms of service End quote parlor CEO, John Matsey writing on his platform called the decision by Amazon and quote, uh, attempt to completely remove free speech off the internet. End quote. Quote, there is the possibility Parler will be unavailable on the internet for up to a week as we rebuild from scratch. End quote, he wrote. Okay, so Parler is claiming basically that they're not going to be gone, but frankly, that doesn't matter. Because what's more, because I don't give a shit about Parler, okay? Um, what's more important here is the abstract of what is possible. Google saying, yeah, you're not available in the play store anymore. Sorry uh, for whatever arbitrary. And I mean, look, <laughs> this is what I wanted to say and, and cut in, in the middle of reading the story for AWS or even Google or Apple to say, well, this app is used to incite violence. We can't allow it, um, you know, on our servers or we can't allow it in our, our distribution platforms, whatever. Uh, you better delete every government app on the planet. Actually, you might as well delete every fucking app on the planet because the government's got, you know, I mean, anyone, anywhere there's a politician, delete, delete. Government, by the definition of the pre previous president of the United States, government, according to Barack Obama, 
is the monopoly on the use of violence. You have to, you, I am so glad that he was honest because you, you have to, I mean, take that phrase apart. He is inherently stating that government is violent. I mean, he's saying, well, it doesn't have to use violence, but we have the monopoly on its use. No, government is inherently violent. Why? Because if you don't do what government A says, even if, say, I don't know, you're, I don't know, some kind of a a good citizen for government B, just because you're in the region of government A, oh, motherfucker, you're in trouble. And if you don't comply with whatever the authoritarians are saying to you, yeah, you can go to prison or it can end with the butt of a gun or not the butt of a gun. It can end with, with the business end. That's violence. That's the constant threat of violence. So this is horseshit on the part of the tech giants. Okay. I mean, that, that's just, that's ethics 101 that everybody basically wants to have cognitive dissonance about somehow that government can actually be okay. No government is the constant threat of violence. Regardless, let's talk about it. Um, so here's the thing is that the internet is a centralized beast and about 80% of it exists on AWS. That being Amazon web services. Basically, if Amazon, for whatever reason says, we don't want to host your shit on our servers, you're done. You're effectively done on the internet. It doesn't matter if this is happening to parlor. It doesn't matter if it was happening to, I don't know, pick, pick your poison. All that has to happen. And it doesn't matter if Google play store says, oh, and we're not going to lie, you, you know, in the play store, because then you could just use it through like their website, right? Uh, you know, through, through a website or, you know, the app store could do the same thing. Well, you could still end up using it through a website, right? Kind of like how ironically, uh, you know, you can't buy Kindle books on an iOS device, but you can buy them through uh, the Amazon website in Safari on an iOS device, right? <laughs> it's just stupid. You can still read them. You just can't buy them. You know I mean? Like the, all these kind of, you know, there's always ways kind of around this shit. However, what there are no ways around is that when the companies that control these servers or perhaps even that control the DNS, right? Like Google, when they say you're not allowed, you're fucked. And this is the problem with having a centralized platform. So, I mean, what's the easy solution? Well, not to say that it's necessarily easy. It can be easier, but some people just, just got to fucking watch Netflix. Uh, it can be easier, but the answer is peer to peer connectivity. The answer is having multiple internets, not just one big, bad internet. Sovereign tech's been saying this for practically a decade. And now you're suddenly seeing, oh shit, we have to have that. Is it possible? Well, when we get to solutions, we will talk about it. But basically anything you're, you're more or less hosting online through, you know, these asshats is potentially up for grabs. Okay. Let's move on from that. So you got that story. Let's move on to, because I, I think this is something that a lot of people are running. Like now they're okay. Well, where can I go? If, if parlor is not viable, if Twitter's not viable, if Facebook's, you know, suspending accounts willy nilly, you know, like where, where can I go? 
the sad part is, is nobody's really coming out and saying, gee, you know, maybe social media is just a horrible fucking idea. I would say it is, and I can give you the evidence, but we'll move on from that. Um, we'll talk more about that when we get into the list of episodes for you. And then, and when we get into solutions, let's move on to our next story. The next big picture of this nightmare. It is, you know, I mean, I gotta be clear here. It's amazing that this has all happened within a week that, you know, the, the internet went to what people perceived as free and open to, to use the word again. I know I've been using it a lot, but went to draconian almost overnight. And, you know, there have been companies that have been around for a good long while that have been clamoring, that have been real uh, uh, warriors, as it were, for having a free and open Internet. And rightfully so. I'm glad they were out there. One of those was Mozilla. Uh, but I noticed the use of past tense. Here's a story. Let, let's let's skip the middle guy. Let, let's not bother with the middleman here. Let's go right to the Mozilla blog at mozilla.org and let's read what they have to say headline january 8th 2021 we need more than deplatforming i mean i just did a double take around the around the studio what more is there than deplatforming like like i mean just the, the headline alone talk about draconian let's read it there is no question that social media played a role in the siege and takeover of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, the takeover. <laughs> uh, since then, there has been significant focus on the deplatforming of President Donald Trump. By all means, the question of, uh, of when to deplatform a head of state is a critical one among many that must be addressed. When should platforms make these decisions? Is that decision-making power theirs alone? Uh, let me comment on this quick. You know, Twitter finally banned... Um, Donald Trump's Twitter account, which I've been saying for years on this show, uh, he is breaking every terms of service on the fucking internet. Get him off. Like he talk about somebody threatening violence. He would do that, you know, six ways, not six ways to Sunday, six ways in one day, every day. It seemed like talk about proof that government's violent or is inherently violent. Um, for Twitter, to, you know, for, for old Jack Dorsey there to finally say, okay, that's enough. What two weeks before he's out of office? No, you're Twitter. You are pandering and that pandering thing. And who are you pandering to? You're pandering to the, the social media mobs and, and to uh, look, when you get in the real world, people are, are far more reasonable. And, and, and I don't want to necessarily make fun of people when you actually get them in the real, real world. But there is this, <laughs> there, there's this MMO being played online, you know, called us politics or even global politics, but it's become an MMO as in most, you know, massive multiplayer online game. Like it's like, it's world of Warcraft for politics. That's what's going on. It has some real world consequences, make no doubt, but everybody's kind of like they're loving getting to play along with that. Even the politicians are playing along, you know, they're just, they're, they're, they're the, 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 I don't know, the Lich King just kind of waiting for, for the party to arrive. And it's just, it's, it's madness. Uh, but I mean, Dorsey is absolutely just pandering right now. Of course, maybe so is Mozilla. Let's read it. But as reprehensible as the actions of Donald Trump are, the rampant use of the internet to foment violence and hate and reinforce white supremacy is about more than any one personality. Sure. President Obama made it very clear that he's good at killing people. He actually said that. 
He whispered it to somebody with a laugh. Said, yeah, I'm really good at killing people. Anyway, yeah, so I don't know, deplatform him while we're at it. Uh, going on, Donald Trump is certainly, I mean, is that not a threat? I mean, I say if, get them all off of this fucking shit, these fucking politicians. They're all scum. And all of them have been throughout time. Reading on. Donald Trump is certainly not the first politician to exploit the architecture of the internet in this way, and he won't be the last. We need solutions that don't start after untold damage has been done. I know you're thinking maybe Mozilla is going to come out and say, you know what? Social media is like the lead pipes to Rome. Yep. It advanced things and gave uh, some people some incredible luxuries, but it also drove them all mad. Is that what Mozilla is going to say here? Are they going to uh, put out a little bit of sovereign tech message as well? I wish. Reading on changing these dangerous dynamics requires more than just the temporary silencing or permanent removal of bad actors from social media platforms. I mean, boy, bad actors. <laughs> I mean, I know that that's a term used in security. I understand I'm, I'm a cybersecurity specialist, but it's just, it's, it's punny, right? To call it because that's politicians. They're all bad actors. And I mean, Donald Trump, even more so the guy is just a reality TV star. He just happens to, you know, his, his TV shows in the white house now. Oh, Anyway, so here we go. This is, this is Mozilla's recommendations. Additional precise and specific actions must also be taken. Reveal who is paying for advertisements, how much are they paying and who is being targeted? Now I want to, I want to talk about this for a second. This is, this, this is a little bit of a problem. Um, because this speaks to what Facebook was saying with WhatsApp in that, well, really the changes we're making to terms of services to help out with, tar with better targeted ads, targeted ads. I'm going to use this phrase again, ask an honest security researcher. Targeted ads are one of the best and easiest ways to track you, the individual. Now they want to know who's, who's paying for these advertisements or whatever. Like, so what, what, what you want to know that it's the Russians as if somehow, you know, like people in America aren't, or, you know, companies in America, uh, are, or that the American government that might be funding somehow these, I mean, like th this speaks to so many big issues here. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no good guys in any of this. You understand? Like the idea is that we want to know who's paying for the advertising. So if we can, you know, point at the Russian government, okay, well, is that going to go across the board? Can we point at, I mean, I know, look, I was in the U S army. I was in psychological operations. I understand how shall we say other governments like to pay for propaganda to go out there. You're going to highlight the U S government while you're at it. Even when Trump's not in office, I don't know if Mozilla is going to agree to that. But that's regardless. Let's move on to the next one. Commit to meaningful transparency of platform algorithms so we know how and what content is being amplified to whom and the associated impact. Now, this transparency of platform algorithms. I mean, does that sound okay? Kind of in, in you know, does that sound like, oh, that might not be a bad idea. Let's know about all the algorithms being used. Yeah, in a way, I'm okay with that. I don't want it to be a law where, you know, you have to basically force by the gun Facebook to admit to all the algorithms that they're necessarily using. But here's, here's the problem with that. Even if this, this part of it was somehow on the up and up Mozilla speaking of the gun shoots themselves in the foot. Here's the next part. Turn on by default, the tools to amplify factual voices over disinformation. Now the, when it says amplify factual voices, that it's actually a link 
to a New York Times story. This is from the Mozilla blog. It's a link to a New York Times story that talks about, it's from December 16th, 2020. Here's the headline. Facebook reverses post-election algorithm changes that boosted news from authoritative sources. What this was about is that basically after 2016 was over or whatever, they, they reversed, they, they, Facebook had uh, an algorithm that was trying to bring, you know, uh, uh, what they considered to be, and it's important to say whoever they, them, those are accurate information about the election. And then Facebook reversed its use and more or less turned it off. Okay. So Firefox is saying that they want algorithms that especially, you know, if you're the kind of person that, that thinks these elections have been kind of rigged, Facebook's part of that. I'm not blaming the Russians, but Facebook in and of itself, I'll blame is absolutely a part of playing this MMO and rigging these elections in whatever direction. But effectively what this means is that Mozilla is calling for the algorithmic suppression of sources of information that it considers to be non-factual or non-authoritative. They are calling for algorithmic suppression of information. That's it. That, that, and do you think that they'd love to be able to turn this on uh, in Firefox? Oh yes. Now let's be clear here. What's going on here. There's a few things. Okay. One is that now Mozilla. And in fact, this will, I guess this could lead into the conversation around episodes for you to go back to in 2020. That was prepping people for this. Uh, in fact, a very kind listener had tweeted out uh, that, you know, when this story went live, basically saying Sovereign Tech already prepared me for getting off of Firefox because earlier in this year, months ago, in fact, we talked about, and I got contacted by Mozilla employees. We talked about how Mozilla had become an entirely different company overnight. They had the massive layoffs, even at the same time that they were, you know, raking in like almost 400, $500 million from, uh, from a new Google deal. Okay. Uh, but that they were turning into a completely different company and that, you know, privacy and security might not be their primary concern any longer. Now I will have the link in the show notes where you can find that episode to go listen to and to hear the breakdown. Cause I get into high detail around what's happening there. This move here is, I mean, because, oh, Mozilla is a nonprofit. No, this move here is about, I think they want to know about, they want information about the advertisers, partly so that they can get access to them. They probably want the algorithms to be opened up so that they can get them themselves. I mean, Mozilla would, I'm sure would love to create their own social media platform or some kind of platforms that would allow for them to rake in more, uh, uh, you know, consumer data of some kind. All of that aside, you know, Mozilla still, well, they don't command a large user base. I mean, in comparison to, you know, a lot of minor browsers, sure they do, but Chrome is, you know, still well over, you know, beyond 50% of, uh, you know, of internet users are using Chrome as their web browser. Firefox is basically in a minority, even though you could say it's arguably, you know, one of the big two, or if you want to go so far, one of the big four, you know, that being edge Safari, Firefox, uh, you know, in Chrome. Um, this is, this is, I, I hate this term, but this is kind of virtue signaling, right? Like this is them trying to attract a user base online 
that will, you know, again, it's trying to attract uh, the, the social media mobs. It's, it's trying to, to uh, attract the MMO players. I, you know, it's so funny because you got people who are like calling the, uh, the guys that are, you know, not the guys, but the people that uh, stormed Capitol Hill, like they're calling them LARPers. It's like, yeah, but everybody online is basically playing an MMO. Like you're all faking it. <laughs> you know, you're all full of shit. And, and that goes, and I don't care what ideology, conservative, liberal, whatever. You're all full of shit. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> I mean, you're performers. You understand? We'll get into this more when, when we get into the solutions. But like, if you're feeling like your voice needs to be necessarily heard online and you're trying to like draw an audience and all this crap, like you're a performer. It's not really you talking when you're typing something out on Twitter. Are you thinking, what will other people think about this? Or are you thinking, what do I want to say? I guarantee you, most people are the former. But moving on, um, I think Mozilla, you know, yes, Mozilla is trying to get in a new user base by appeasing these, you know, the Twitter mobs and whatever social media mobs, all the MMO players and saying, yeah, see, we're on your side. We want to put a stop to the hate. And they want access to, you know, they want open standards with the algorithms. They want, uh, you know, all these other things. So, I mean, maybe you could argue that perhaps they want to know about the algorithms, perhaps if they find out that they're privacy encroaching so that they could, you know, make a marketing play and block them. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm open to that. Uh, but ultimately this is all to favor Mozilla. This is, I don't believe for a second that this is somehow coming from a position of, uh, of what, you know, of enlightenment, you know, or, or, or ethics. If they had ethics, they wouldn't have pulled the stunt they did earlier this year. This is a very new company. Okay. You cannot trust Firefox like we did in years past. And I was one of you who did. but I absolutely will not support a company that is calling for the algorithmic suppression of information online. Fuck you. Go ahead, delete it right now. When I tell you to delete it right now, why don't we get in? Let's start talking about some solutions, but before we get into solutions quick, I mean, this is part of these solutions. I want to list off the episodes where everything I've been saying thus far in this episode, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm regurgitating me. Okay. These are things that I've been saying for quite some time. And even just in 2020, let's talk about it. So one thing that you might find of particular interest. Okay. Well, no, let me save this part. Let's go to, here we go. So, uh, here's, here's, here's some key points, some key takeaways, but you can go back and listen to them just to see that, oh, Stallion's not riding any kind of, uh, you know, there's no bandwagon here. This is what Stallion lives and breathes and has been talking about on Sovereign Tech and it's part of Sovereign Tech's philosophy. And it's been so for the years that it's been aired. So we'll start off with, uh, let's see, episode um, 380 of Sovereign Tech. This episode, in it, we talk about how, and this is from 2020, we talk about how Google Drive was removing video files being shared privately because those video files were sharing information that uh, uh, the, uh, the authoritative sources did not find okay. And of course, it had to do with COVID-19. Um, but again, you think, oh, you might even paying for, be paying for a Google One account. And, well, I'm just hosting a video and I'm sharing with people. Ah, Google says, well, misinformation, delete. 
So nothing's safe on Google Drive. That's important when we get into solutions. Let's go to the next episode from this year. Uh, this is an episode titled, or episode 380 was titled Go Local. Again, links are right in the show notes. Episode 386 was called The Last Phone. In that, we talked about how uh, Pavel Durov, in, in openness, in proper openness, in fact, brought up how Apple is, is suppressing, um, you know, on Telegram and other messaging apps, the sharing of, of, of certain messages. And like, they basically like these messages, basically you could be in a group. Okay. And I have verification that this, this happens and happened. You could type something out in a group. And if you are on an iOS device, or let's see, let's say other people who are, you know, on their desktop client for telegram, or they're on an Android device, they could be having a whole conversation. And if it's something that, you know, Apple doesn't like and breaks the terms of service, then you could be on your iOS device and you may not see that entire conversation in telegram. Now, how does that happen within telegram? If it's end to end encrypted? Well, okay. It's that that's a little bit of a different, there's a lot of explaining around that, how that works. But bottom line being is that with telegram, you have secret chats and then you have, you know, more not public chats, but you have chats that get encrypted at the server, but not at the device. Okay. So there are two different types of chats to be had there, uh, within telegram. And I think a lot of people get confused by that, but regardless the point in this, and you, you can list, I explain it more. Okay. I explain it in the episode. So go back and listen to it. Link is in the show notes that iOS is ultimately anathema to free speech. If you're, if you're concerned about that, if you're concerned about your message being heard or seeing what other people are saying that you consider to be important, iOS is a no go because Apple is, and, and they have all the messaging companies under NDA. I mean, I, I think Pavel Durov was walking a very fine line in, you know, in talking about this, but other companies have brought, you know, have, have come out about it as well. So you can hear it in that episode. Uh, another episode recommended to you here. Uh, it's called is episode 388. Okay. And that was angels. Don't wear this halo. This is where we talk about everything. We were just talking about with Mozilla, how Firefox has done a complete 180. It is not the same company. Walk the fuck away from them and their services. Okay. Angels don't wear this halo episode 388 links in the show notes. Next one is episode 394, which was titled P P I a five G. Um, this talked about what I considered to be the biggest story of 2020. And that is the Twitter hack. There are actually several, there's like two or three episodes where we covered that because it was such a big story starting in July uh, of 2020. That has a lot to say about the problems of, even if you do security and so many other things right on social media, Ultimately you're screwed because you are beholden to maybe not even necessarily Amazon's AWS, but you're beholden to the social media company itself that has a God mode. Okay. So I want you to, you know, listen to that episode. You can listen to the episodes in between too, cause, or, you know, before and after, I think, uh, because we talked about it uh, further. So there's that one. Uh, then there is the, the more recent, um, episode 395, which is the Google list life. That episode was, we covered heavily, spent a lot of time talking and did get into the, you know, this is a good, uh, uh, kind of bookend episode for this episode, for the special that we're doing right now, because it talked about where a person for reasons they still don't know their Google account was deleted because they were told that they broke terms of services, but they lost everything that was in their Google account. And you, he didn't, this person didn't realize just how integral 
or how integrated really his life had become with his Google account until it was gone. And then suddenly he was just fucking lost because he couldn't access docs, his map history, whatever, all kinds of things, his Gmail. And he was just, he was, he was fucked. Which speaks to earlier when I was saying, you know, we got to get used to having our data not be attached to accounts. So I highly recommend that episode 395, the Google is life link is in the show notes to, you know, to learn about how you can, you know, do things differently. Now we've, so we've got all of that out of the way, let us, and, and all of those episodes, as you listen to them, you're going to see, wow, the man of tomorrow has really been talking about this for a very long time. And he's been telling us, he's not just like, you know, complaining and moaning. He's actually giving solutions as I do in each of those episodes. And I don't know what happened. I mean, I, 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 you know, it's funny. We'll get into the solutions, but it's just so funny because I, I have the saying because it's so commonplace. I was like, yeah, you know, everybody listens to me, meaning I have a lot of listeners. Everybody listens to me, but nobody listens to me. At least that's the way it feels like. I know there are people that do. I'm, I, I, I'm being, uh, uh, you know, kind of hyperbolic in that statement, <laughs> but like, you know, if, if, if you've been implementing what Sovertech has been saying for years and years, a, what has been going on in the past, you know, past week would not have scared you and you'd already be ready. I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just, I'm just telling you, okay, that there are voices out there. Cause it's not just me. There are others who are doing it too. And you know, Satan bless them for getting that message out. Okay. There are other people out there. There are other voices who've been saying, Hey, you got to lock your, you know, get, get your, get your shit locked up, you know, start using encryption, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, what was the story from wired? It's time to get, or, or no, I forget who it was, but they're basically saying it's time to get mom on signal. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, in 2021, <laughs> but, but regardless, okay, again, I'm glad people are here. And if you're going to figure out how this stuff works and all I can do is implore you, look, I keep on top of this stuff. This is what I do. This is part of the reason, one of the major reasons I do this show. Keep on listening because we will keep on top of this stuff. doesn't matter what your ideology is. Okay. The tools that get laid out on sovereign tech can be used by anybody and should be. So let's talk about those tools. Um, I guess we should start off. You know, I just mentioned the Google is life. Uh, something you might want to consider is that because, you know, it, it can happen. And I'm just, I'm going to be brief on this one is that your smartphone could potentially, you know, I, I mean, what happens if your Google account gets taken away or your Apple account gets taken away, your smartphone could effectively become useless. I do want to recommend that as far as like getting away from having accounts, but you got to have a smartphone. I mean, there are Linux smartphones. That's certainly a thing. Um, there are some other options out there. I do want to lay out as I've talked about for many years, uh, perhaps, you know, getting an Android phone or converting your Android phone over to lineage OS, which is an Android alternative that will allow you to use a lot of really solid apps that can replace most of what, uh, if not all of what Google does, um, but they're not attached to any account. So it's not like it can get ripped away from you. Okay. Uh, do I think we should live in a world where smartphones aren't even a thing and we don't even bother using them? Yeah. I wouldn't mind that either. <laughs> you know, but that's, I know that's an extreme that many people won't go, uh, but that's something to consider. And a lot of these solutions I'm going to talk about are available via lineage OS using an app store called F droid. Links are in the show notes for both of those. If you want to start checking those out. And I mean, and even, even right down to maps, you can use OSM and which uses uh, OpenStreetMaps open street maps data. 
you know, that's available on F droid and anyway, check that out. So, okay, let's, let's get into it. I guess we'll start off with, since we started off with WhatsApp, let's talk about solutions as far as messengers go. Um, and that is, well, we did mention telegram. A lot of people are jumping onto telegram. Um, telegram is better in that now granted, like I said, with iOS, you know, the results may vary, but that's true for every single messaging app, not just telegram. Telegram was just honest that it was happening. Um, telegram is great. I think for groups, I think it's a great social media alternative. Okay. The one thing that it doesn't have is, um, like threaded, uh, you know, like threaded messages. It doesn't have like, which is popular in Facebook groups is the threaded messaging where you can like make a post or threaded posts, I should say, where you can make a post and then you can have a thread underneath. I really, I do wish telegram would have that. They're kind of implementing that in channels. Okay. Uh, and, and look, telegram is so feature rich. I'd have to do an entire episode on its own to describe everything that telegram can do. Okay. I know people are kind of worried about, uh, telegram, like there is the near me feature that telegram has. People are freaking out about that because they're saying it's being used to potentially like, uh, you know, trace you and track you that that's a story that's come out recently. Um, that is not on by default. That is something you have to agree to turn on and just don't agree to turn it on. So, you know, there's, there's that, uh, but telegram is really kind of the best catch all against any services you suddenly stopped using. Like basically if you just got off of WhatsApp and parlor for whatever, you know, whatever telegram is a great place to run to. Uh, some people want to run to discord. No, <laughs> because we know that discord, uh, has banned channels for, you know, that, that quote unquote hate speech and for incentivizing violence and other things. Okay. So if you are looking for that free speech platform, discord is not it. Uh, I am, uh, I've been baffled all year long that people are trying to build communities on discord. I, I just, I don't understand it. I understand that it attaches well to like buy me a coffee, which, Hey, I have a buy me a coffee account. It attaches to Patreon. Like it integrates with a lot of these kind of pay platforms really nicely. And I think that's why people use it. Uh, but it's only a matter of time before that gets shut down. And frankly, any of those platforms, you know, that, uh, like the alternatives to Patreon or Patreon itself, those are all basically centralized and, and are just waiting and have for, you know, have a history of shutting down, uh, accounts that they think are putting out objectionable content. Um, I stopped, I had a very successful Patreon, um, that I stopped using from, and, and I did that from a point of ethics. Okay. That I could not support that platform any longer. Um, I walked away from that and I have to admit, you know, I, I walked away from some, uh, some okay money on that and money that I I've yet to recoup, even though I have offered alternatives and I'm not blaming anybody for that because I know these other alternatives are a pain in the ass, but a lot of them ultimately are, are kind of failures. Buy me a coffee. Doesn't seem too bad because I don't necessarily have to post the content there. And you're just sort of supporting, you know, me in that, but also it, it it's not like a great platform in that sense, even though I know you can kind of take advantage of that, but really, you know, just doing dealings in raw cryptocurrency is about the best way to go. Okay. Um, you know, and just putting out there 
on as many sources as you can, you know, the available account for people to donate to you. Like that's the way to get funded for for your media. In fact, that that's an episode I didn't, you know, before we talk further with the messaging, that was an episode that I also have linked to in the show notes that you might want to check out. It was called Sovereign Text Dark Podcasting, How to Make Content That Can't Be Shut Down. This is how to do a blog, how to do a podcast, all these things that is censorship resistant and identity resistant. Link is in the show notes for that. If you want to, if you want to check that out, because I think a lot of people might find that really helpful right now. And I reiterate a lot of these points in that also, um, but let's move on. So telegram is certainly a great option. Uh, the encryption, the concerns around that. Again, if, if you want to, if you're looking to have those life or death situation, you know, conversations or something, and you don't want to use telegram, not even the secret chat. Okay. There are alternatives. Certainly. Um, but then I would also argue, get away from smartphones entirely. If you're thinking that seriously about it, uh, something that I think there's almost been, there's long been an active campaign against, uh, albeit a quiet one is the use of IRC internet relay chat. This still gets used heavily by developers as well as activist groups. Um, and it is very tough to shut down because it's just one of those old technologies of the internet that nobody can really deprecate. Uh, and you can shut channels down. I mean, there are ways to go about that, but really it's, it's a very, very tough, uh, platform medium to track people on and to even like track conversations on. Uh, like, you know, Google doesn't really does, it doesn't search IRC, uh, channels, you know? So IRC, I think is, is the real winner here, <laughs> even though that's not encrypted. Uh, but it, it's, you know, it's an option that exists. I mean, even, even sovereign tech still has an IRC channel. It's had one for years. Uh, it's on free node. It's just, uh, you know, hashtag sovnet S O V net. But anyway, um, something that's kind of considered the new IRC and that some people see as the potential, uh, platform for everything is element.io. Now we've talked about this throughout 2020 because earlier in the year, they had said that they wanted to go fully peer to peer, which would be a great move, uh, to go to. And they do, uh, encryption. Um, they have had their share of security issues that have happened over the years. Uh, but element.io, um, Apparently channels are getting taken down on that accounts can get taken down on that. When you're doing through them through matrix.org, you can host your element channels elsewhere. Element looks like it actually kind of looks like IRC, but it allows for a whole lot more. There's, there's uh, video chat, audio chat, um, direct messaging, you know, channel messaging and so on. I mean, it, it's a very full featured platform. Um, when that goes peer to peer, I think that might be a, that might be a far more interesting option, but really I think telegram is the far easier for people to jump onto. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, look, even if you consider telegram to be a half measure, that is the one half measure where if it gets people off of Facebook properties and even Twitter or whatever else, great, you know, and then we start leading them just further down. And if element goes peer to peer, then we start maybe leading them that direction. Okay. So another one that's only available on Android, probably because <laughs> iOS would flip their shit if it, if they let an app on that could do all this, uh, is Briar, which I have been a supporter of for many years, even before it went to 1.0. Uh, Briar is not unique, but fairly unique in its ability to work without a data connection, okay, or or work without a a uh, 
an internet connection, I should say more particularly where you don't need a 4g, 5g, 3g connection of any kind. It can just use Wi-Fi direct, or it can use Bluetooth. Uh, it channels, it does encrypt and channels all messaging through Tor. Um, it does have kind of like a quasi blog platform built into it. Um, it is only for Android though. Okay. You gotta be very, I gotta be very clear about that. Um, and it does have like a, a kind of like message board services built into it. And then it has direct messaging as well. Um, I, I love what this does. Uh, there, there were, you know, it used to have the problem of that. You had to have somebody like to get somebody else's key to be able you know, public key to be able to communicate with them, uh, you know, over Briar, because you can still use, you know, your, your data connection to, to, to communicate long distances, but you had to have the person right in front of you, or you had to do some kind of funny trick. I don't know, you know, over a video platform of some kind. Um, that is no longer true. So Briar is a great option here that a lot more people should be looking at. However, Briar does not, everything is held on the device. There are no backups anywhere. So if you lose your phone or you lose your Android device, all everything you had on Briar is gone, is, is basically gone with it. All right. Uh, so, so that's, that's kind of a, you know, for a lot of people, I, I think that would be, that would be a big problem. Um, or if you lose your account, everything's gone with it. Like, I mean, it's, it's just, it's over. Um, another option coming down the pike that we will have to see, it'll have to get hammered out, but they are going fully open source. And it's important that things are open source that so we can look at the code base. Uh, that's not a guarantee that it's secure, but it at least lets us even pretend to be. And that is a uh, three they, I don't think they have gone fully open source yet, but now is the time. Threema is a great option because unlike Telegram and other services like Signal, it does not require a phone number. Uh, now you can use bullshit phone numbers. Certainly that that's, that's an option, but even services that allow for that, like my pseudo or hushed that allow you to buy phone numbers um, on your device without buying a whole other phone and a whole other phone service um, are ultimately attached to the Google play store or the app store. And so they can be taken away at any time. Right. So, you know, you might not consider that viable. Uh, Threema is also planning on having native desktop clients. And again, without needing, um, you know, without needing a, a phone number or anything like that, that's great. And Threema also, and this is kind of unique in that it allows for this Threema allows you to export your private keys which is a really great deal. Uh, you always want to control your keys when you can. This isn't even really something you can necessarily do with signal or really telegram either. Uh, it is important to note about the phone number thing. Telegram does let you change the phone number. It's not like signal where you lose the phone number and you're fucked. Um, so that that's, that's a, you know, because it, We'll talk about signal in a second. Okay. So Threema is an interesting option to look at. Uh, I implore you to look further, you know, on that one. And when it does go fully open source, I'll be able to recommend that uh, a little more heartily in the vein of not using, um, phone numbers. There is also wire messenger that is now fully open source. There was a long time where it was not, uh, it, and it has a desktop clients and it does the handshake right with the QR codes and everything. Um, that's one that I could recommend. They are looking more to be like, they're more of an enterprise setup. Uh, like that's, that's where they're looking to really make their money. Uh, not that I necessarily have a problem with that, but wire messenger is certainly, you know, viable. And that has a lot of the, you know, it's as feature rich as just about any other platform, you know, with audio calls. Um, I think they've even gone to video calls and so on. Uh, that's one that I think a lot of people kind of forget about or don't think about. 
but that's a possibility out there uh, as well. So yeah, we've got wire. You have three Um, Let's talk about signal for a second. So part of the problem with signal, because that's what apparently everybody should just fucking be on now. <laughs> part of the problem with signal is the requirement for phone numbers. There is a reason that it requires phone numbers and it's a good reason. And it's the reason a lot of messaging apps use phone numbers because it's an easy verification that the communications are going to the intended participant. That I get that. Okay. But of course your telephone number is, I mean, you know, think about this, think about the bulk of what you do on, on even your smartphone and like basically the hottest attack vector on your smartphone now and, and the most useless at the same time to you is your phone number because you don't use it. Like who, who really uses that? You know, uh, I, I think even like the local pizza place, uh, you know, where, where I live, uh, you know, you can't even really find out what's going on with them when you call them, you know, you have to look like on their Facebook page or something, you know, no, like the phone numbers are effectively dead. <laughs> we might as well get past it. Uh, but signal is really like just dead stuck in that. And I know people have, and, and, you know, I've heard recent interviews with Moxie Marlin spike where he said that, you know, we want to like attract more people into the platform. So we want, you know, cause other people have issues where, oh, well it alerts somebody that, oh, I'm on signal now. And I don't like that. And, you know, when you first log in, um, I don't think you can turn that off. Apparently there's a way to, to turn off the, all right. I'm pretty sure there's a way to turn off those alerts now. Uh, but regardless, you know, people consider that to be a privacy concern, especially if you're, you know, a, a high risk person of some kind, you know, or a celebrity, something along those lines, I could see where there's a real concern around that. Uh, there's that the, I, I really don't like the desktop platform for, uh, or the desktop client for signal. Um, it's not it doesn't handle things as well. And it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a little kludgy and it always has been. Um, and sometimes the communication between, and look, these are hard problems. Signal knows these are hard problems. Like how do we do the level of security we want to do, uh, without phone numbers? How do we do, you know, all these different things. Also signal has gone in a direction where they are talking about making backup files, um, for your communications. Uh, you know, the, the argument for using signal is that, okay, you know, I want to have like that, be able to have those life or death, uh, information shares, right? That's the argument. That's been the argument for signal. And when you start to like back up the data, uh, especially on a, you know, and it doesn't have to be only on your device where you could do it for years and only on Android, uh, that, that creates certain issues. So signal I'll admit personally, I'm past that. Okay. Um, but that that's a bigger conversation. Obviously using signals better than using WhatsApp. Um, but as far, but we're really talking about where people are needing like platforms that do so much, you know, because now they're not feeling comfortable on social media or they're getting shut down on social media for whatever reason. Um, or, you know, okay, I need that replacement for Facebook and I need this. So it, it's not like they're just looking for, okay, I, I want to be able to send a, you know, this, this encrypted message. Like they're really looking for so much more. So I'm not, you know, totally poo-pooing signal here, but I do have concerns about its direction. And I don't want to say that, well, I've been right throughout, you know, for, for many years and it's all coming to head now, but I'm just saying, pay attention to that. And 
yeah, we'll leave it at that with signal. Let's move on. Um, something really that I think is worthwhile to consider is of course, encrypted email. Um, proton mail is a solid option. As far as that goes to Denota is another one link is in the show notes for all of these. Um, I would recommend doing encryption where you have control or doing PGP encrypted emails where you have control of the keys. And one great way to do that, a nice easy way is using Mailvelope, which works in um, browsers. It works in Chrome based or Chromium based browsers. Uh, it does work in Firefox, but well, are we going to keep using Firefox? We'll find out. Um, that's certainly a great option to run with uh, as well as, well, I don't really recommend Thunderbird uh, so much now, but as long as you're having control of your keys, that's where you want to start. Um, there is of course, and you can do this through Afdroid, not just the Google play store. There is the open keychain app. That is probably the dead simplest way of setting up PGP encryption on your email. And you can use the canine mail client, uh, to interact with that. Those are options as well. You know, as far as that goes, um, some people for social media talked about using Mastodon. Here's my concern around Mastodon is that it is still an, it's, it's an open platform. And, uh, because there's the other issue kind of around tour, you know, and, and setting up things on tour and thinking that, well, as long as it's on tour, you're fine. Uh, these platforms do a lot of self-policing. Now I don't disagree necessarily with self-policing, but understand that if you go on Mastodon and you start spewing whatever, there's a good bet you're going to get shut down. Uh, you know, if, if a large enough group of people don't like it, you know, I mean, you'll just, again, I mean, the same thing happens on tour. Like everybody talks about how, oh, tour is just a cesspool of, of, you know, pedophilia and whatever else. And I, and certainly, uh, as I understand it, it's there. Uh, but I also know that there are individuals and groups that are doing their, and it's, they're not the FBI. They're not anybody like that. They're just, you know, uh, uh, very impassioned users who are engaging in, you know, like trying to shut down those sites, you know, as they see them. Um, and I applaud the shutting down of pedophilia a hundred percent. I mean, all the way. And, but I mean, let's be clear. There's no, but there though. Let's be clear that you, you know, the, the, the mob mentality that is happening online on any kind of major platform, um, is, you know, is getting to the, like that self-policing, that self-policing standpoint where if the, you know, enough people disagree with you, they're just, I mean, it's, it's digital ostracization and, or ostracizing, and you're just, you know, you're going to get shut down even on something like Mastodon. Um, and I've heard of cases where it's happened. So I'm not even so hot on that because that sort of thing happens. Um, and I'm, and I don't want to do, do anything about that either. Like, you know, <laughs> like understand just like on tour, if, if, you know, if tour users want to on their, of their own accord, you know, go shut down those, uh, those sites, you know, just sharing deplorable shit. Hey, so moving on, uh, just be aware that that's how that works. Moving on. Um, before we get into the browsers, everything that I just told you ultimately, guess what? Not good enough. <laughs> Not good enough. Um, I would, here's what I would recommend. Okay. I would recommend as best as possible, like walking away from the centralized big, bad internet as you can. I have been a strong proponent of using NAS 
you know, using a net, network area storage. Okay. Uh, for a very long time and look into what a NAS is. If you don't know, okay, you're going to have to do some homework. Part of the problem why everybody's shit's getting shut down is because most people didn't, you know, don't understand how the technology itself works. And so it's able to get taken away from them or the ability that they afford gets taken away from them. Okay. If you want to continue to use stuff online, you got to learn some things. And I mean, Sovereign Tech listeners are brilliant. I know that. I'm just saying, if you share this with your family and friends or whatever, I'm letting you let them know you're going to have to learn some things to do this right. And to keep these abilities that you have come to enjoy in the 21st century. So I recommend getting a NAS. Um, now Synology, I've been a big fan of that for a while. However, Synology, one could argue is not a hundred percent open. And so you might be worried that Synology could shut you down, uh, and like keep you cause Synology uses like quick connect, uh, which is a platform that they host and that could, you know, that could effectively get shut down. So if you really wanted to be censorship resistant, you wouldn't even use Synology, but Synology is a very secure platform for what it is. And I would argue largely a private platform. I'm just saying that it's not, uh, entirely censorship resistant. So with Synology, Synology has its own, it's called Synology chat. On a Synology NAS, it's a beautiful operating system that gets built into this NAS that you can access from your smartphone, from your computer, everywhere, okay? It offers a full office suite, which is really, really nice. But one of the things it also offers is a chat app that will uh, that is end-to-end encrypted on your smartphone or even on your, on, your, um, you know, on your laptop or desktop. And it's completely being hosted and stored on your device, on your NAS, which is your mini server that sits in your home. Okay. It's not going anywhere else. It's not going to Google. It's not going to, you know, take your pick. Okay. It's not going to any of the tech giants. It's staying in your home and on your device. Okay. The two ends you are completely in control of, and that's the best way to go. Not to have telegram hosting your stuff, not to have proton mail hosting your stuff, not to have any of these people hosting your stuff but to get together with your groups and you can create like guest accounts that people can, you know, join in on and everything. I mean, it's, it's really, really slick. There's a larger point I need to get into on this, but we'll talk There's Synology. So there's the option there. The better option is to get a, what's called a uh, used to be called free NAS, but now it's called true NAS. Okay. And a true NAS device. Now this can run you about a grand overall. I mean, you could do it cheaper. You could actually do it a lot cheaper and it depends what you want to use it for, but you want to set up a true NAS because that's, that's a case where the code's been hammered on, you know, open source, the whole thing. And then you're going to install an office suite called Nextcloud. Nextcloud, you host this entirely on your, you're not relying on Nextcloud servers. It's all running completely on your own server at home, your own NAS at home. Okay. Nextcloud uh, has what's called Nextcloud Talk. Now you can use Nextcloud Talk, much like what I was talking about with Synology Chat. But Nextcloud Talk actually lets you. It has uh, audio, like you can do audio calls, you can do video calls, um, you can do the you know private messaging, you can do all of that. You can all this stuff can be set up, and you know you can set up your own little groups. Okay, 
you know, to, to talk with each other and everything. I mean, it, this is, this is really the way to go where you have, again, it's that end to end encryption where both ends you are completely under control of, of both ends and it can work everywhere. You know, you can have it on your smartphone and it, you know, you could be in another country from where your NAS is and, and you can, you know, communicate over it. That's in my opinion, that's, you know, that's the way to go. Now, if you want to go so far as to, well, what if, uh, you know, I'm a target and the FBI, you know, goes after my NAS or something like that. Well, I mean, if, if you want to go that far, there's ways to, you know, I mean, put it somewhere else, but <laughs> regardless, there you go. Uh, that that's, I think that's really, you know, the next cloud solution is about the best one. Now here's the, here's the rub with all this. Okay. Is that a lot of these things, because like NextCloud or Synology, setting up our own NAS and so on and having our, our groups and, and whatever, you know, and inviting people in on that, um, that allows for kind of a peer-to-peer solution, kind of. We could ultimately have, you know, the, the multiple internets like we've been clamoring for for years on the show. The biggest problem, the biggest hurdle is streaming video. Forget about video. Okay. Just forget about it. And if you have questions about that, go ahead and email the show questions at sovereigntech.com and I'll get into that conversation. I've already spent a ton of time on this show, you know, trying to go over a lot of things, giving people a primer on where these problems came from, how we knew that they were going to happen, and what is happening and what are the solutions. Okay. But there are more abstract ideas certainly out there. And that's, that's why the show's been able to go for eight years. So, Nextcloud, I think that, and Nextcloud Talk, I think that's the ultimate solution. And however you want to implement that, it doesn't even have to be necessarily on a true NAS, but however you want to implement that, I think that's really like the best way to go. But that does raise the question of, you know, it's not like I'm the only person that knows about this. It's not like Nextcloud doesn't do very well for itself. Obviously, a lot of people know about it. So why isn't it wildly popular if people care about not being censored and so on. And, and, and I think part of that comes down to is that it's not about having, for most people, it's not actually about having secure communications. It's not about getting the best information. It's about getting to be a prima donna. And if you want to be a prima donna, none of these solutions are, are, are ultimately going to work. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just not what these are for, but then what is it that you want? Do you want, information able to get shared? Do you want information to be preserved? And do you want to communicate privately and not get shut down by Amazon or whoever else? Or do you just want to become some kind of like, you know, uh, I don't know, why list celebrity? You have to ask that question. And I mean, you could still be the why list celebrity and you can listen to my um, uh, dark podcasting episode, I guess. And maybe that would help you out with that. But Ask yourself what you're really looking for here. What are the real, you know, what's the best solution you have? The only real, the only way you can really answer that is if you know what you want. And I think it's important to ask that question. You might not like the answer that you come up with of what you want, but ask that question. So moving on, uh, let's talk about browsers, shall we? we we're going to get into the alternatives here quickly. We already explained the, the issue with Firefox um, and it is an ethical one. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to support a company that is arguing for what they are arguing for and what they'll probably eventually implement uh, themselves, even though they claim to be all about privacy and everything. Well, they're not, 
being about privacy is also allowing a certain freedom of information to be out there. And that is something they are not okay with. So as far as what's the right browser, this is another situation for where it needs to be tailored to your needs. Um, do you need something that syncs between your desktop and your mobile device? If so, that, that really limits your options. Um, are you looking for, you know, are you on windows? Are you on Mac? Are you on Linux? What are you using as far as those go? Uh, you know, that, that changes the options. So let's talk about it here. Uh, first off, we'll start, I guess we'll start with windows since I think that's where a lot of people are really at. Um, there is a, actually an independently developed, uh, and, and actually there's a, there's more than one, but there's an independently developed, uh, browser, which is based off of Firefox called pale moon. That is one that you can look at. Um, it's, it has a very small development team. In fact, at one point, I think it was just one guy, not to say that that's a bad thing, but you know, if there's a bug, it's not going to get fixed as if there's a whole team behind it. Right. Uh, so that, that's, that's something to, to, to keep in mind. Um, there is pale moon. I think Midori is available on, on windows as well, at least through portableapps.com. Um, I strongly recommend if you are a windows user looking into portableapps.com as kind of your operating system within your windows operating system. And that way you have control and you're not reliant upon your Microsoft account anymore. Um, but I think Midori is an option, uh, there, but Midori is also an option. We'll talk about, uh, with Linux. There is the Tor browser, of course, um, which Tor, the, you know, the Tor project has been, and we've talked about this many times on sovereign tech has been arguing for a very long time. They want Tor to be used by everybody. They don't want Tor to just be what accesses the dark web. They want Tor to be what accesses fucking everything. Now, Tor likes to turn off JavaScript and a lot of other things, and suddenly your internet's going to look very broken. Well, again, ask the question, what are you wanting? Are you wanting uh, the ability to actually see, you know, uh, relevant information? Or are you wanting a pretty internet? Like, like which, which do you want? And it's not that we can't have both. We can, but there, there has to be a groundswell that occurs, uh, that argues for a change. So the Tor browser is certainly a possibility there. I mean, I have argued for a long time that, you know, if you're using windows, you might as well use edge, right? Um, partly because you don't have to make another account, but now we really want to get to the point where we're beyond the use of accounts. Uh, so, and also edge has the problem where it's so tied in with, um, the Microsoft security on windows 10 that I've had a lot of false positives on downloads that, I mean, like I, I tested edge, the new actually credge, which is the Chromium based edge. Um, I tested it and that just got to be too much. There were just too many false positives and you can't even fully turn off the security features in windows 10. You can only temporarily turn them off which is a problem in itself. So edge, I'm not going to recommend so heartily. Uh, if you don't mind, you know, if you're looking like, well, I don't want to use a Chromium based or a blink based, um, uh, web browser. Okay. If you don't want to use a blink based, uh, web browser like Google Chrome, obviously I'm not arguing for using Google Chrome ever at all. Uh, if you're wanting to stay away from Chrome, that does limit your options, but if you don't mind Chromium, the engine, then using brave is certainly an option. Um, and they are all about privacy and we haven't really heard anything from them as far as clamoring for any kind of action in any of, uh, any of the, the recent, 
uh, uh, situations, uh, the recent climate that we're in. So Brave is certainly an option there. Uh, there is Opera. Opera, uh, of course, is, one could argue, effectively owned by the Chinese government. Uh, I think that there's an argument that could be made better the government uh, far away collecting your data than the government nearby. So, you know, I mean, Opera is wildly full-featured, wildly. I mean, it, in fact, Opera GX on Windows, which is like a gaming browser, has features that just blow away uh, literally every other browser. But it's not open source, and there's the Chinese government thing. Uh, Vivaldi, of course, is another option that's out there. Vivaldi is Chromium-based also, uh, but they are not fully open source, so that could be a no-go for a lot of people. Um Beyond that, you do have Falcon, F-A-L-K-O-N. Falcon is, that's based on WebKit, not Blink. WebKit is the same thing that Safari uses. So, you know, I mean, that's an option, but there hasn't been a new version of that for Windows since 2019, and we're in 2021, and I always worry about development cycles. I don't mind if they're slow, but when it's been over a year since the last update, that's not slow. That's seemingly out of development and I could be wrong about that, but that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, in fact, I just mentioned Safari. So let's talk about Mac. So there are some of your options for windows. Uh, if you don't mind the chromium base, again, it's not Chrome, but the chromium base, and there are arguments against having the chromium base. Like have, why do we want only one web rendering engine? We don't want a monoculture, right? Uh, or, you know, there's concerns that certain, uh, uh, binary or, you know, data blobs that, that Google is putting down for active development within Chromium, not Chrome, Chromium, which is the open source version of Google Chrome. Uh, and other people contribute to that code, by the way, not just Google, um, that, that could be seen as privacy concerning. So I understand where people are coming from if they don't want to use a Chromium based browser. Uh, in that, in that case, I would be looking, you know, at pale moon, Midori Tor browser. I mean, yeah, there's Maxton and you, the thing is you really want to stick open source. Okay. I mean that that's, that's really key here. Okay. Uh, there is ice cat also, that is a version of Firefox that is run through by the, uh, free software foundation. And that's great on other platforms. There is not an easy executable download for windows. So that's, that's a little bit of a problem. Um, and the other issue with a lot of these alternative ones is that, you know, say you use LastPass or if you use like uBlock Origin or you use a lot of different uh, uh, extensions for like Firefox add-ons or Chrome extensions, they don't work with all these browsers. Any Chromium-based browser, you can get Chrome extensions to work on. But any Firefox alternative you know, it runs into problems, right? I mean, because now, I mean, one of the beauties of Firefox is that you don't have to have a Firefox account to use Firefox add-ons and install them. To put Chrome extensions on a Chromium-based uh, web browser, including Google's Chrome, of course, you have to log into a Google account to get access to those. That's a problem, right? Um, now you can make a fake, uh, you know, Chrome account and that's fine. And you have like brave has built in ad blogging. Opera has built in ad blocking and so on. And one could argue that's really all of you, all you need. Uh, and if you can't get LastPass on it for some reason, um, you know, brave, I think actually does have a built in password manager. I could be wrong about that. Uh, cause these features sometimes come and go or they're in beta, but you could also use KeyPass XC instead of LastPass. That's, that's an option to store all of your passwords that I think it's worthwhile for people to, to really look at. Um, 
So anyway, we're going to talk about Mac. Let's talk about Mac. Now, Brave is available for Mac. Of course, so, so is the Tor browser. Uh, with Mac, I think no brainer, just use Safari. That's it. Just that's, that's the end of the story with Mac. There's no reason not to use Safari. In my opinion, it's a great web browser. It's fantastic. Uh, and it's as open as anything else. Apple is that you're using. So just use it. <laughs> that, 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 that's it. There's, there's, there's no more conversation. Okay. Just use Safari. It's WebKit. It's not even Chromium based. It's great. Uh, so Linux, let's move on from that. Um, Linux, you do have the aforementioned Midori, which again, does not have a lot of extensions. So that could be a no-go for some people. There is IceCat, which does allow for the use of, of, uh, of add-ons, um, that is made by the free software foundation. IceCat is a fantastic browser that I recommend using. Uh, there's Conqueror, which is developed by the KDE team for Linux, which of course is one of the mainstays in Linux. Conqueror is a good option. The, uh, the extension thing is, you know, the extension concern, if you're big on extensions, uh, Conqueror won't really be the way to go. Uh, Chromium is regularly offered in like the snap store and other app stores or other app repositories on Linux. And that's just open source Chromium. Uh, you could go with that and you would be able to get access to those extensions. Once you log into the Google account, uh, brave of course is available on Linux. Um, another, you know, again, another fine option. If, if you don't have a problem with the Chromium engine, you really have a lot of options. And because brave is also available on Android, iOS, it's, it's all over the place. Uh, Opera is also available on Linux. And of course, Opera has its own store, its own extension, uh, repository, I should say, where you, and it has uBlock origin and LastPass and a lot of other ones where you don't need an Opera account to do it or to use them. So, but again, remember that it's not fully open source and you are sending all of your data effectively uh, you know, to, to the Chinese government. Maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you're not, you know, again, I, I really would argue that better the government that over there than over here that has your data. Uh, and of course there is the, the, the Tor browser, uh, to use as, as far as Linux goes, um, which is really the best place to use the Tor browser anyway. Um, so on iOS, you know, you can use, uh, if you do use brave, um, you know, I would use Brave across the board, or if you if you do decide to use Opera, I would use Opera across the board uh, on, you know, on your, your mobile devices as well, uh, unless you are using Lineage OS and just F-Roid on your, on your Android device and you don't have the Google Play Store, then that's not necessarily an option. Um, but then you're probably also not needing to sync your, uh, you know, whatever websites that you're on, you know, in between the devices, or you found a clever way to do that, you know, without without, uh, logging into an account, right? Again, it's really key. I think that we get away from logging into accounts, just use apps dumb. Okay. Uh, one thing I'll tell you, this is really a place and I wish duck, 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 go would do this. Of course you want to use duck, duck, go as your search engine. Okay. I wish duck, duck, go, duck, duck, go has great chromium based browsers. Well, actually it's WebKit. Everything's WebKit based. That's on iOS. Uh, DuckDuckGo has great mobile browsers. I wish that they would step in right now and say, okay, we're and, and do kind of like the free software foundation where we're going to do a custom version of Firefox, but it's going to be DuckDuckGo. And, you know, we're not going to put any of the bullshit in there. We're even going to remove pocket, right? Because that's closed source. I wish they would do that. I really do. Uh, but the DuckDuckGo, DuckDuckGo, <laughs> it's a terrible name. Great company, terrible name. DuckDuckGo uh, makes a great browser on uh, 
you know, on, on Android and on iOS. I really recommend that uh, using that if, if you want to on mobile. Um, I think that's a great option. Um, unless you need to sync your browsing history, but then of course, you know, keep in mind what comes along with syncing that browsing history. Right. Um, so those are, those are basically your options. Um, brave for most people is probably the best option because it still allows for the use of extensions. It has, or if you don't want to use extensions, it has ad blocking built in. It is open source. It's highly compatible with most web content. If not all, uh, you know, I mean that that's, that's really a direction to go, but I would not put all your eggs in one basket as it were with any browser. Okay. Constantly, you know, I mean, especially if you're logging into that browser with an account of some kind, just don't do it. Uh, constantly back up your bookmarks, store your passwords, not in LastPass. store them on KeyPass XC, you know, and cause that will work with your browsers. Uh, even though it's a independent, um, piece of software. And it's not, doesn't have to necessarily be attached to the browser itself. These are the directions that I think we, you know, it's time to start going because if Mozilla is calling for, no, we need to crack down on the internet, you know, just just don't rely on any web browser company really. In fact, that's, that's my concern is that down the line, I don't see any reason why Brave wouldn't do the same thing. I don't have indication of it yet. But at the same time, you know, when things get bad enough and regulation comes down and whatever else, and Mozilla is calling for regulation, um, you know, I have concerns. So the open source, you want to go with an open source browser as much as possible. If you have concerns around the blink engine slash chromium engine, I understand. Uh, but I gave you some options there as far as ones that use, uh, you know, alternative, um, rendering engines. Okay. Uh, and of course, I mean, you know, and if you're on windows, please consider getting off of it. Or if you, you know, if you need that windows PC for gaming, then just do gaming on it. And on your, you know, have your other laptop. I've recommended cheap laptops over time. They use Linux and that's where you do all of your web browsing and everything else and data that could potentially come back to bite you in the ass. Do that elsewhere. Do that on another operating system. Do not put your life on the line and our digital lives and our meat space lives are incredibly intertwined. Do not, do not meld them on a windows machine. <laughs> okay. If you please, it's time. If you are terrified, by what's been going on, there is, there is a learning curve involved. Okay. To protect your data and yourself. Here's a great place to start with this episode. Um, I don't need to, you know, I don't think I need to say a whole lot else. There are plenty of solutions out there. There are alternatives to go to that are openly developed. They might, there might be a feature here and there that doesn't work as nicely. Um, you know, which do you want? Like I said earlier, do you want the pretty internet or do you want the one that allows for the truth to get out there and for genuine connection to happen? Your choice. So I'll wrap up this special of sovereign tech with that. This ended up, this might as well be a sovereign tech episode. It ended up going almost two hours Uh, but this is important information to get out there. And if you are new to sovereign tech, welcome to the fun show, baby. (laughs) It's only going to get worse. (laughs) Well, the internet might get worse, but sovereign tech's just going to get better. And of course, you know, we're going to the new decade here. Going to be the new roaring twenties. Who knows? (laughs) As long as you keep control of your data. And this is how let's build the systems that are censorship resistant, that are even identity resistant, 
They exist right now. You can jump on them. Do so. I'll see all of you woo, on the other side. I know, I know you thought it was over. Here, I got to add this in because someone just brought this to my attention about Telegram because there are people asking for the server code from uh, Pavel Durov. That being the code on servers could be wholly different from the code that you get to look at, which like we said in this episode that I just recorded, uh, you know, that it doesn't, that, that those, those are code bases that you can look at completely, whether it's on iOS or on Android. Okay. Um, but the server code could be something totally different if we don't get to look at it. And Pavel Durov has repeatedly, uh, basically refused and he has different arguments as to why, um, to not share, uh, that server code. So, the server code, one could argue, might not necessarily matter if you're doing the secret chats end to end. Okay. But the real thing here is that, and, and this doesn't change anything that I said in the episode is, and this is why I'm bringing this up in the episode. When I listed off all of the messaging alternatives, right? Telegram element signal, all of them. I said, ultimately all of them aren't good enough, except for maybe Briar. All of them. They're just, they're not good enough. Okay. And that what you want to look at is using your own server, right? That being having a true NAS, having an X cloud set up that way. That's that code is open and readable from stem to stern. Okay. And this just drives my point home on that. So I wanted to make sure that that, that information got out there before somebody brought that up. Uh, so just a little bonus couple minutes at the end of the episode before somebody, you know, brings that up. But that's, that's why I said, none of those are ultimately really good enough. We're telegram as I said in the episode is a half measure. Okay. It is not the end all be all, but I, you know, I do think that it's a good solid half measure because of how feature rich it is. So for me, my ultimate answer, next cloud talk, or, you know, things in that vein where you are controlling both ends of the conversation. Um, and you know, and it's all being done in kind of smaller groups, but just wanted to make that point clear. So that's it. I'll see all of you who really this time, I mean it on the other side.